Hello, welcome to a new edition of the OPC Foundation podcast, the home of industrial interoperability. I am Peter Seberg and I'm your host. Today we'll be talking to Alexander Almendinger from the OPC Foundation about the process of getting OPC UA products certified. A couple of weeks ago, Paul Hunker gave an introduction into OPC UA certification. And today, Alexander will talk about the certification process, the preparation, how to reach compliance, the actual testing, what is being tested, how to get started, and the tools available to support you, dear customer, listener in this process. Hi, Alexander. Thanks for joining. How are you? Hey, Peter. I'm doing very good. It has been a while since we met at the last trade show, so very good to talk to you again. That's right. Which one was that? Was that the Hanover Messe, maybe, or I don't recall? I actually think it was the SPS trade show last year. Oh, was that really? Yep. Which typically takes place around this time, actually, isn't it? November time. Yes. <laughs> so long, actually, a complete year. Alexander, please introduce yourself to our listeners. Where are you from? What's your role at the OPC Foundation? And maybe what have you been doing before you got there? So I'm located in the south of Germany, close to Stuttgart, to be more precise. And the first time I got in contact with OPC UA was actually already before the initial spec has been released, where I did some testing of the initial versions of the OPC UA stacks. So I was basically doing testing with OPC UA right from the beginning. In the OPC Foundation, I am involved in a lot of different activities. So, for example, for this podcast, the most interesting ones would be the participation in the UA Working Group, as well as Security Working Group on Harmonization. The reason for that, obviously, is to ensure that the certification labs are handling the latest updates and all the changes in the specs and discussions so that we can really use the latest versions for the certification process. So you have obviously been Mr. OPC testing right from the beginning. Well, kind of. Not that official back then. It was uh, <laughs> more in our company and less on the whole OPC scope. But yeah. But now you have the official head on. So as I mentioned in an earlier podcast, we learned from uh, your colleague from the OPC Foundation, Paula Hunker. Uh, he gave an introduction into the program. You work on certification as well. What is it exactly that you do? So I'm doing a lot what, when it comes to the compliance test tool and its development. So I'm organizing all the different steps. I did several developments by myself on behalf of the CTT framework, and that includes the binary code as well as scripting for the test scripts. But I'm also having the European Certification Test Lab, which is kind of the headquarter for the certification program. And as such, I'm also educating all the other labs on the certification tools and the certification program and all the changes that are being made to the technology and certification. Thank you for spelling out the word CTT and listeners, you will hear this term a couple of times during the course of this podcast, CTT for Compliance Test Tool. So from Paul, we learned that the highest objective in OPC certification is to enhance the quality of the products. To achieve this, I assume you're not only testing compliance with the specification during certification testing. So what exactly is being tested to achieve this goal? So in general, we are testing five different categories. 
So the idea on getting the product on a high quality that basically is being done in five areas. And the most obvious one, of course, is the compliance. And in compliance, we are not just testing all the mandated features, but also the optional features and everything. So basically everything that is being included in a product. And what we're doing there are not just test cases to pass, but also tests to fail. So we send like, for example, chunk messages to a server or inject bad behavior into responses for clients to ensure that they are behaving compliant in all cases. The second aspect is the interoperability, and that obviously is kind of the most important thing for an open standard like OPC UA. And what we are doing here is testing the communication with products of other vendors from certain markets. And while we are doing that, we ensure that we are not just using a different vendor, but also different SDKs, different programming languages, for example. And then we ensure the interoperability for the UA services, for data types, security policies, user tokens, just anything that you would use in a productive environment. The third one is robustness. And now it really gets to communication breaks that, for example, a problem is self-contained, saying when you have an external sensor and we intermit the communication to that external sensor, then we expect the product to still respond to UA requests. Things like that are being checked and validated as well as that correct status codes are being replied to a client so that the client or the end user at the end is aware of what is happening down there. So those are the three core things. And then we do have some more extensive tests, for example, the efficiency area where we are putting the product under some real load. And then we combine the three aspects that we just said. We combine compliance testing with the interoperability and robustness. This means we connect the product under test with a minimum of five other products. We ensure that the communication is stable and works fine. And then we start intermitting communication. And that not just to the OPC UA peers, but also to underlying data sources. And while doing all of that for 72 hours, we are measuring the CPU usage, RAM, threads, handles. And by doing that, we ensure that the products are really capable of doing long-term runs in productive environments. And then we have last but not least, the usability area. And usability for us is basically all about having a positive end-user experience. So we are taking a look at product documentation about help files and how intuitive a product is to be used. And the idea here is to ensure that a product that is certified is very easy to use for end users. So when, for example, certificate handling, which is a quite complicated topic, is not being described well, we will point that out and give enhancement tips and ideas that the product documentation at the end will be very good. So, like I said, in total, five areas, compliance, interoperability, robustness, efficiency, and usability. And with that, we ensure a very high quality of the products. Wow. Yeah, that sounds like a, a lot of testing. And, and thanks for 
repeating the uh, the five major sections. Some of them we will be going into more detail during our podcast. So where and how do interested parties get started? What is the first thing I, as an interested party, need to do to get my product certified? Well, the very first thing, of course, is that you need to identify all the features that are being supported by your product. And the important thing here is because that is a common mistake. A product that does not automatically support all the features that are being supported by an SDK they choose for their development. So though the SDK can do a lot for you, it cannot do everything. Some features do require manual integration. And Therefore, the very first thing is to identify the real features that your product supports. And we do have a profile reporting tool, which basically lists all the different features that are described in OPC UA to help you doing that. Just to remind the listener that is maybe not used to the term, you mentioned the term SDK for Software Development Kit, if I'm correct. That's one option. Is that right? I mean... People, companies can develop products by using an SDK or without. Maybe you can a little bit talk about the software development kit. Of course. So a SDK is a software development kit. And in OPC UA, you basically have three different levels where you can take a look at that helps you with the integration of OPC UA in your product. Of course, you could start your development from scratch. You take a look at the specification and you implement every single detail by yourself. That takes a long time, and most likely you will have a lot of issues at the end, and it's always difficult to keep up with the technology. The second option is to start with a stack. So a stack is really just the basically the mapping of the OPC UA services on the wire. So then you already have a certain level of help, but it still doesn't have all the logic that are required or is required from a product that uses OPC UA. And then you have the third level, which is the SDK. And the SDK basically takes the whole set of the OPC UA features, combines them in a useful way, and gives you an API that you can develop against. So it takes, for example, care of session handling and subscription management and all of that all for you, so you don't need to do that manually. Very good. Thanks for clarifying. So you said not all features supported by the SDK are automatically supported by the product. And that means that the test cases that you are choosing for that specific product will be related to the features that you just identified? Exactly. So basically, with the feature set that you support, you go to the profile reporting tool or you have a list of profiles or facets. And I think Paul already explained the phrases in an earlier podcast, so I'm not going into details here. But they come with associated conformance units. And with those conformance units, you get all the test cases that are basically valid for your product. Very good. Another term you may be hearing as a CU for conformance units. So now I have a list of everything my product supports and the test cases for it. So depending on the product, this could be a long list, I guess. Is there a tool available which helps me executing those tests? Luckily, yes. 
So as I already mentioned that I'm one of the developers for that tool, that is the CTT or compliance test tool in total. To be more precise, it's actually the UA CTT, but the UA is often just omitted. And that compliance test tool is like the certification program itself, not only available to paying members of the OPC foundation, but also to non-paying members like the logo members. And that compliance test tool can do a lot of automated testing for OPC UA servers. And that is where it's very helpful, but it also helps with client certification preparation because client testing is not that easy for a client. The UA specification requires certain application logic that, for example, a value with a bad status code is not being used in a product. And that is something that you cannot automatically check. And therefore, you do need to have manual steps here. But the CTT in client mode helps you to basically in-check bad status codes and doing some bad things with valid responses. And in that, on that behalf, it really helps with client testing as well. Great. Nay, I assume that you just mentioned that you've been kind of doing testing from the very beginning. So this kind of utility didn't exist, I assume. So maybe it was yourself and, you know, other colleagues from the OPC Foundation or clients that together decided it would be useful for the customers to have such a tool available. Yeah, absolutely. So I didn't develop it by myself in the beginning. I just take care of the maintenance now. But that was being decided in a kickoff meeting of the compliance working group where they decided to have such a tool and that the coverage of all of that and designed the tool around the spec to really help the users. Great. As you mentioned, coverage. Uh, so CTT covers, CTT for compliance test tool, covers all the features of OPC UA, including also important security features. Absolutely. Of course, the security aspects in OPC UA are quite important. And as such, they are also important for us on behalf of certification and testing. So the CTT takes care of all the different aspects of the security features like certificate validation steps, which is important thing when you come to complex CA structures that are being used in productive environments. But also when it comes to user token handling to having like secure connection, handshakes and everything. So all of that is being tested by the compliance test tool. And it is continuously enhanced to have all the new security mechanisms integrated fairly fast. Now, having that said, especially when it comes to security, sometimes there are manual test cases. Once again, it depends on whether application logic is required. And especially when it comes to the fact that you want to enable and disable security policies that are the baseline for secure communication in OPC UA. And you want to do that because, for example, one algorithm has been cracked. Then you do have manual steps. And as such, you always do have manual test cases also for security. But like I said, the CTT is continuously enhanced. We are trying to automate as much as possible for the end users as well as for the vendors so that you can actually really test that product on top to do down as much as you like. Sounds cool and very helpful for the preparation. 
So the number of test cases which need to be done manually, as we hear, decreased a lot. Is it nevertheless still hard to get a product to pass all the automatic test cases? Now, that very much depends, once again, on your starting point. So when you've chosen to start with a high-quality commercial SDK, which has been around for a long time and already has been tested well, has been used in many products, and has shown that certifiable products can be built with this SDK, then it is not that hard to get to pass for all the automatic test cases because a high percentage of the features in OPC UA can be covered by an SDK. Also, all the SDK vendors are being involved in a beta testing period for the compliance test tool. And as such, they can provide early feedback if there are issues in the CTT scripts themselves that may not handle a certain scenario well, or they can fix their SDKs to cover new test cases very quickly. So at the end, with a commercial high-quality SDK, it isn't that hard to get to a certifiable state. Sound like those users, those listeners that maybe step into the podcast for the first time here, they would have an advantage of starting and maybe are thinking about. So as far as I remember and recall, the best way to find out, there is a list of SDK providers. We had one or two representatives of SDK providers in our call. We don't need to mention specific names here, but the best way is to go to the OPC Foundation website, is it right, and choose under the word SDK? Yeah, absolutely. Take a look at the product catalog on the OPC Foundation website, search for SDK or toolkit, and then you see a whole list of the different products there. Perfect. So one can use this tool to validate the compliance with a product, but how about interoperability? Is that being tested as well? Well, unfortunately, that is not possible because the nature of interoperability testing is that you check the interoperability between different applications. And the CTT as such is just one application, so it cannot help with interoperability testing. But that already has been identified by the OPC Foundation a long, long time ago. And what the OPC Foundation is doing for that is hosting an event that is called Interoperability Workshop or IOP Workshop. And on those workshops, we are basically getting all the different vendors together in one room and get them to test and validate the interoperability between their application. And that very much helps. So I can only highly recommend to attend such IOP workshops that you can ensure that the interoperability for your product is given. Very good. And information about the IOP testing and workshop can be found on the OPC Foundation website as well, I assume. Okay, so let us say I did identify all supported features. I pass all the CTT, the compliance test tool tests, and I attended an IOP workshop. So then I should be ready for certification, right? So what is then the next step? How do I get the actual process of certification testing started? So on the OPC Foundation website, the whole process is being documented. So you will find a certification section there, and that is where you can always look for more information or the next steps. Now, in order to really get the process started, there is something that is called the application request form, and which is located in the how to certify section. 
In that application request form is basically asking a lot of questions about your product, which features are being supported, which SDK did you use for your development, which version we are talking about, what operating system, and so on. And with providing all these informations to the lab that will execute the testing for you at the end, we can come up with an official estimate on how long it will take to certify the product. And that is the interesting thing here. So we are just coming up with an estimate. That basically means we take a look at the list. We may say that it will require seven days of testing at the end to get the product to a certifiable state. But if the product is well prepared and we don't find any issues and it is very intuitive to use and at the end we only needed four days of testing, it is only the four days of testing that the company needs to pay. So it's not always that you need to pay the whole lump sum. So with that estimate, of course, we need a purchase order from the vendor. But with that, the lab, which will actually execute the testing and the vendor can take a look at the schedule. And usually what we can do is scheduling testing within four weeks after registration. Now, having that said, though, currently we don't have trade shows. When we do have trade shows, there are always some peaks right ahead of this for example, SPS trade show. So in those timeframes, we might not be able to guarantee a certification within four weeks. So if you have a certain deadline that you want to meet with your certification, then please register early. Talking of trade shows actually not taking place, and we hope we're going to be able to go to one again around the world, you know, independent if it's here in Germany or somewhere else. But currently in these COVID-19 times, travel is not that easy, especially by plane. Does that influence certification? Can I nevertheless still get my product certified or does someone need to be there in person? Would I need to wait until I can send somebody over? Well, actually, we can do full virtual certification. So that is absolutely possible. In fact, it is even normal. So the normal use case is that nobody joins us in the lab during the certification process. And that is being possible because what we are doing here in the lab is we will provide you an access point, which most likely will be a virtual machine in a dedicated network where you can verify your application as well as you can access all the reference products that we're going to use for the testing. And with this, we can basically virtualize everything. So we don't need to have an in-person visit in the lab, though, of course, it sometimes is helpful if you see the person directly in front of you and a commissioning sometimes helps getting the product spin up faster. But it is fully virtual, is fully possible. There's no big deal for us. That is kind of the normal use case. Okay, thanks for that. Uh, how, with regards to the IOP, the interoperability workshop, did they take place? Do they take place normally uh, in a virtual way? So unfortunately, we needed to cancel several of the IOP workshops this year because of that pandemic. But of course, we are already working on a virtualized solution for the IOP workshop, and we are actually currently testing the different solutions. So once we are sure that, because we are doing real-time communication, right? And the problem here is just that the network telegram latency for communication between Japan and Europe or Japan and the US, that just takes a while. So 
testing is not that simple as it may sound on the first thinking. But yes, we are definitely working on that and we are trying to set something up even this year so we can do a first test run of a fully virtualized IoT workshop. Sounds great. What happens during the actual testing? How is the uh, testing executed? So we like to do the testing as efficient as possible. And because of that, we try to prepare the whole environment already up front of the testing. So we're doing the installation, we're doing commissioning, environment creation, all of that is being taken care of before the actual testing date. Then on the first day where we start the testing, that is usually either a Monday or a Tuesday, what we are going to do there is just the commissioning. So we ask the vendor to guide us through the product, to guide us through how to use the application and find everything we need. That is usually not that difficult for us because if you already saw like four applications doing the same thing for different vendors, the fifth is most likely pretty much the same. It just used different colors. So that is not that difficult for us. And that also allows us to do the commissioning basically just one day and then use the rest of the days for a plain testing. Now, having that said, what is important for us is that during the whole test period, that we do have a developer or an expert available. The reason for that is if we may have questions or find issues, we need to have an expert that we can ask how to do a certain setup or a certain scenario and get that working. That is why this is for us basically critically important to work as efficient as possible. So you mentioned like products getting through needing the seven days or maybe not depends on one thing, how the product was developed with the use of a SDK or, or differently. But let's say what happens that if an issue was found? So if an issue is found, of course, we are prepared for such cases that is actually not necessarily very uncommon. But what we're going to do there is we will report issues at the end of a testing category, usually even at the end of a testing day. So we provide a detailed feedback, not just that you failed for test case number 24 in a certain conformance unit, but we explain you what went wrong and what is may or what may be the issue here. And then we start an iterative approach because we can continue the testing with all not affected testing areas. So saying you have an issue in a write call, that doesn't prohibit us from testing the read call or data change notifications or security aspects. So we will still continue the testing with all the different aspects until you have a fix for that issue that we reported. And when you have that update basically available, then we are going to take that update, apply it to the product, we verify that you didn't only change something, but really fixed the issue and then do some spot checks on maybe affected features. And at the end, that is a very effective way. And when we get to the point where there are zero failed test cases at the end, then we're going to have a certified product. Good, which then means that at some point in time, they get this official document that will contain the name of the product tested in the date and that then gives them the right to be using this certified OPC UA product logo. Is that right? 
Absolutely. So what they get at the end are basically a few documents. One is a testing summary. That is the one that I can only highly recommend end users to ask for from certified products because that really provides you all the details on what has been tested and under which environment. Then they get a detailed test record. For that, we're talking about a few hundred pages. So that is not necessarily the thing that you want to take a look at in detail as an end user. They get a report for the efficiency test, including some graphs, as well as the certified for compliance logo and the certificate at the end, of course. You already mentioned how to uh, initiate the process by going onto the website. So now I'm inside, I started the process. If I have questions regarding preparation, estimation, the process, any of the test cases, the test tool, any of the execution, who can I best and how can I talk to one of you guys? So the best way is always to challenge the forum. So we do have a forum at the OPC Foundation and there's also a certification section. The interesting thing here at the forum, of course, is that you will have immediate response because if somebody else already raised the question, you do have an answer right sitting there for you. Of course, there are sometimes questions which require disclosure of internal information and that cannot be asked in the forum. That totally makes sense to us. In those cases, just send an email to compliance at opcfoundation.org and then Paul or I will respond to your questions. Or you can directly get in contact with the lab that is closest to you. Okay, final question. Is there any development you have experienced lately, any activity that may come up, any final thought that you would like to share with our listeners? Of course. So on behalf of certification and especially automated testing, there is a big push coming from all the different joint working groups with their companion specifications. So a lot of companion specifications are aiming for a way to ensure that products that have been built using those companion specifications can be tested somehow so that the vendor themselves can validate that they did everything right as well as providing the opportunity to end users to allow them to test a product when they basically commission it. And on that behalf, we already integrated scripts so testing scripts into the CTT for multiple companion groups, which includes, for example, MDIS, which is from the oil and gas industry, from PLC Open, that is for PLCs. So they are already included and being available. We already have a first draft for PA DIM testing. And already in progress are development of automated testing capabilities for machine tools and IO link and so several other groups, including groups from the VDMA and, of course, also for not the VDMA. But that is the biggest change that we lately see when it comes to certification. Alexander, thank you very much for sharing your detailed knowledge, as we heard from the very beginning, before official testing actually existed, and sharing that knowledge about getting your OPC Way product certified. If you, dear listener, want to learn more about certification, about OPC UA specifications, maybe other pieces of the OPC UA technology, or about the OPC Foundation, you may want to listen to the preceding OPC Foundation 
podcast editions, we referred to your colleague, Alexander to Paul Hunker, which was recorded two editions before this one. You can easily find that one or visit the website at uh, opcfoundation.org. If you have a proposal for topics or are interested in appearing on the OPC Foundation podcast, maybe you want to join one of the OPCUA companion specification working groups that you just mentioned as well, Alexander, or maybe you want to become a member of the OPC Foundation or otherwise, please mail the OPC Foundation at office at opcfoundation.org. And as we just heard from you, Alexander, for questions regarding certification testing, please visit the certification section of the forum or write to compliance at opcfoundation.org. We'll put the website URLs and the mail addresses in the podcast notes. You can always go and have a look there. It was great to have you with us today. If you like what you heard, give us a thumbs up, spread the news. Looking forward to have you with us again. Alexander, thank you very much. It was great talking to you after Natsig and Shara for what we say almost a year. Absolutely. Thank you, Peter.